We're going to read from 1 Peter. Today, chapter 5 once again. As I said earlier, we looked during Sunday school, the Sunday school hour of 1 Peter 5, verses 5 through 7, clothing ourselves with humility, putting on this this clothing of, of humility, humbling ourselves before the almighty hand of God, knowing that he'll exalt us in due time, and then casting all of our care upon him because we know that he cares for us. And then we're going to read, beginning in verse number 8, together, and we'll read through the conclusion of the chapter and through the conclusion of this letter, beginning in verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then he concludes this way, by Sylvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. The church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Marcus, my son, greet you one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. We are thankful for your word and how it teaches us and how it helps us to know how to live. Without it, we would, we would know how to live. So we thank you for it. Thank you for how we've been helped and challenged by this letter. And Lord, I just pray that today as we conclude it, that you would help us once again. You would teach us from your word. Help us to have um, spiritual ears and eyes as we read and listen. And that you would teach us individually exactly what you have for us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated. In verse number 8, Peter introduces us to our adversary. And this really is a warning. So throughout 1 Peter, um, Peter has been teaching them how to live in the midst of persecution, in the midst of a world that's hostile to Christ and to Christianity, how to live, how to live on mission, how to be a witness, how to reach those that are far from him. And now he's concluding with this with this strong warning about their enemy. And it's, it's vital that we identify who our enemy is. In this life, we understand that not, not everybody's on our side. Not, not everybody wants, wants you to succeed. And the people that were reading this letter 2,000 years ago could look around them at the persecution and believe that just about everybody was against them, that everybody was their enemy. And you may feel that way from time to time, that everybody's kind of against you, and, and you're sort of on your own. And, and it's easy to forget who our real enemy is. You might have disagreements. You do have disagreements with your brothers and sisters in Christ, but they're not your enemy. 
you have issues at home with your family, with your spouse, but your husband or wife is not your enemy. When you go to work, you have issues with the person that you work for or the people that are around you. You have disagreements, but they're not your enemy. Your children are not your enemy. Your boss is not your enemy. Your pastor is not your enemy. Your, past, your, your, your parents are not your enemy. Your teachers are not your enemy. We have this one primary enemy. Paul said it like this to the, to the church at Ephesus. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our fight is not with human beings. Our primary opponent is not the person that's sitting down the row from you or that you see every day when you go to work. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. We have, our enemies are not physical. Our enemies are spiritual. And Peter clearly states who our enemy is here. It is the devil. It is Satan. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil... He is our adversary. That means he is against us. He is against you. Satan is against you. He is not your friend. He is not your teammate. He is against you all the time. He has been against Christians for all time because he is against Christ. Since the day that he rose up, tried to take power from God, and God cast him out of heaven, he has been against God ever since, and he has been all of, against all of the followers of God ever since. Our text says that he's like a roaring lion who walks about seeking whom he may devour. Twice in the book of Job, chapter 1 and, verse, and chapter 2, the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going, for, going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. I've just been walking about walking about, and we know that he was looking for someone that he could turn from the faith, trying to turn Job. And, and even now today, he's walking about, like the imagery is like a lion. He's walking about looking for somebody that he can devour, like a hungry lion looking for his next meal, wanting to devour each and every one of us. Charles Spurgeon said this, he can never, talking about Satan, he can never be content till he sees the believer utterly devoured. He would rend him in pieces and break his bones and utterly destroy him if he could. Do not, therefore, indulge the thought that the main purpose of Satan is to make you miserable. He is pleased with that, but that is not his ultimate end. Sometimes he may even make you happy, for he hath dainty poisons, sweet to the taste, which he administers to God's people. If he feels that our destruction can be more easily achieved by sweets than by bitters, he certainly would prefer that which would best affect his end. Satan is out to get you. And he may tempt you with something that looks sweet, like he did with Eve in the Garden of Eden so many years ago, that sweet fruit, it looks so good. He was tempting her with something sweet, but his end is always destruction. He always is looking to devour God's people. So we have to recognize that Satan is our enemy. The more time that we spend and the more energy that we spend believing that someone in this room is your enemy or that someone out and about in society is your enemy, the less time we are focusing on the one who is truly trying to destroy you. 
The more time we think that somebody in Washington, D.C. is our enemy or someone from another political party is our enemy, the less time that we're focusing on the one who is truly our enemy, who is not flesh and blood, is Satan, the destroyer. Jesus said this to Peter, who very later would pen these same words to us. But prior to him writing these words, Jesus said this to Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Peter, unfortunately, did not properly heed Christ's warning. He wasn't cautious enough. He fell to Satan's temptations. And now, many years later, Peter is pleading with Christians and and pleading with us to know that our enemy is Satan and his sole purpose is to destroy you. If you're a child of God, if you are a child of God, understand that there is one out there who wants nothing but your destruction. That's what he is intent on. He's walking about looking for someone who is not looking for him that he can devour. And so we have to be alert. He's powerful, but we're not hopeless against him. If we were hopeless, then we wouldn't have these words from the Lord. It's possible that we can avoid his attacks by being aware. That's what verse 8 says. Be sober, be vigilant. That means to be on high alert, to be watchful, to, be, to have our eyes wide open. You might have heard the phrase, head on a swivel. We're looking around, we're making sure that the attacks are not going to catch us off guard. There's a danger in, in going to sleep spiritually of putting our spiritual life on autopilot. And so Peter's trying to send this wake-up call to these, to these Christians to be alert. Wake up! Don't you know that there's a lion on the prowl and he's trying to devour you? He wants to destroy your life. There are dangers in going to sleep and just, just sort of coasting through life. When we drive, it's important that we remain focused, alert, Because just a temporary lapse of attention can cause great destruction. Just a couple of seconds can cause massive problems. It it doesn't take long at all to be on the shoulder or in the wrong lane. And unless you have a self-driving car, it's very important that you be aware while you drive. But it's easy to go through seasons of life when we are just sort of coasting, isn't it? If we're honest, isn't it, isn't it easy to go through seasons of life when spiritually we're just sort of on autopilot, just sort of going through the motions, not really alert, not really watchful, not really thinking about the potential attacks that are around us? There are a lot of things that can take us down a, a path to destruction, but the number one enemy, public enemy number one is Satan himself. So we have to be sober, alert, watchful, mindful. You know, one of the things that parents have to try to ingrain in their kids' heads when they start to drive, and we thank the Lord have not had to cross this road yet. But one of the things that parents have to try to help their children understand when they begin to drive is how much power really is you have when you get behind the wheel going 70 miles per hour or 60 miles per hour or however fast you're going. That great damage can be done with just, just a few moments of 
a few moments of, of, of talking to the person beside you or behind you or doing something else that can cause great damage to your life, to, your, to those that are in the car, and to those that are on the road with you. And so parents have to try to help their, their children understand that this is not a game that we're playing on, 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 t, on TV or on, on, on PlayStation. This is like, this is real life. And in the same way as believers, it's, it's easy to take lightly the power of Satan. The, the power that Satan can have on a, an unassuming life. But his intent and his power should never be taken lightly. Just as dangerous as it is for the antelope or the deer that's sort of doing its own thing while the, while the, while the hungry lion is, is, is coming up behind him. You've seen it on, on TV before and, and you're watching and, and, and the lion is looking for something to eat and you see this little antelope or something or gazelle or whatever it is that lions eat and it's just sort of like hanging out in the creek, you know, do, doing its thing and you're watching and I guess depending on the kind of personality you have, maybe you're saying, what are you doing? Turn around. Don't you see it is behind you? And maybe some of you are kind of cheering on the lion. I don't know. But, but the point is just as, just as much danger as that animal is who is unaware of what's going on around him, that's the same danger. That's what he's trying to tell us. We're, we have the same danger as a Christian who is not paying attention, who's just going through life doing our own thing. So he's saying, hey, wake up. There's a lion on the prowl, and he wants nothing more but to devour you. So we have to be alert. In the previous chapter, Peter said, The end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Watch in prayer. Isn't that interesting that those are the same words that Jesus used with Peter in the garden? Just prior to going to the cross, he looked at the disciples and he said, Watch and pray that ye enter in not into temptation. And yet Peter did not heed the warning. Peter fell asleep. And Jesus came back and said, what, could you not watch with me for just, a, I mean, couldn't you just stay awake and, and, and pray? And they fell asleep again. And now Peter is saying, watch and pray, watch and pray, watch and pray. A lot of the world has improper views of Satan. They see him as this animated figure in red with pitchforks and horns, like he's some fictional character in a cartoon. Others see him as, as like a, a cheerleader for their wild, sinful life. But Satan is not a friend of anyone. Satan is not anyone's friend. He tried to take down Job. He tried to take down Job by destroying his family and his, and his health and, all, and his wealth. He sent messengers to Paul to try to beat him up, to buffet him. He tried to cause Jesus to sin in the wilderness, temptation after temptation. Certainly he's been after these these Christians that are scattered around because of the persecution, he's trying to take them down. He's not our friend. And, and, and Peter says, do not be deceived by what you see on TV. He's telling us that. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by the cartoon characters that you read. Know who you're dealing with. Know who the enemy is. So what should we do? Knowing, knowing that we have this powerful enemy, I would want to be trapped in, in the jungle with a lion. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, to, to be there. So what should we do? Understand his power, understand his intent to destroy you. We've already established that we have to be aware, watchful, looking, paying close attention, always on the lookout. And then in verse 9, he says, Whom resist, talking about Satan, whom resist steadfast in the faith, 
The word resist comes from two different Greek words, which are basically to stand against, to stand against something. Peter tells us not to run away from the devil, but instead to stand against him. The idea is, is, is an army of, of, of people standing firm, not giving any ground, not, 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 not moving, not willing to give the devil any place in our life. He's calling them not to give in. In the midst of suffering, he's telling these people, in the midst of suffering, don't give in. In the midst of trouble, don't give in. Don't give in. Don't quit. Don't give in to, the, to Satan's attacks. He's trying to take you down. Do not. Instead, resist him steadfastly. Be strong. In the faith, he said. What's the faith that we're to be steadfast in? Jude talked about earnestly contending for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our faith is in the word of God that never changes. Our, our faith doesn't come through positive affirmations or, or just positive thinking. It doesn't come just from people around us who are encouraging to us. Our faith is in the one who can be trusted, the one who has never failed, the one who has never lost the battle, the one who, the one who is on our side, the one who gives us the victory. Our faith is in Christ. Our faith is in the Lord. Our faith is in his word. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, physically, Jesus was weak. Remember, he had been fasting for weeks, weeks without eating. His body was, was as weak as a, as, as, as a man's body can be. And Satan came to him in that moment and began tempting him, tempting him, trying to get him to sin. And Jesus resisted the temptations of Satan, but he did not resist the temptations of Satan with physical strength. Right? He resisted with the word. What was his constant response to Satan? As it is written, as it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. As it is written, as it is written, his faith, he, he resisted steadfast in the faith, the faith of God's word. The faith of the one who has already conquered Satan and will continue to conquer him and ultimately will have the victory. And then Peter points out the suffering of others in, in verse 9 as well. He says, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. He points out to them that they're not alone in this fight. You're not alone as you fight. The same afflictions that you're dealing with, other people are dealing with around you as well. The same temptations that you're dealing with, other people around you are dealing with as well. I love, I love 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. No temptation has ever taken you, but that which is, it's common. It's a common temptation. Other people have dealt with it. And then he goes on to say, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. He's not going to allow you, you, you serve a faithful God. He's not going to allow you to be tempted in such a way that you're not able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. It's easy to feel alone. The prophet Elijah was ready to die, ready to die, saying, I am the only one, and God sent him comfort, didn't he? Sometimes you may feel like you're alone in the battle, like the things that you deal with, no one else is deal, dealing with, the, 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 the temptations in your life, nobody else can understand them, but just know that you're not alone. Knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, and God is not going to allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but he has made a way to escape. In truth, the, this battle that we're fighting, the battle against 
really it's the battle, it's the battle against from Satan against the Lord, against our God. It's already been won, really. Revelation 22 says he laid hold on the dragon. This is, a, this is a prophetic word, looking forward to the future. He laid hold, God laid hold on this dragon, that old serpent. God laid hold on him, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, bound him a thousand years. And then just a few verses down, we say, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the prophet, the false prophet are, and shall be tormented the beast, the, the devil, shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Satan's been troubling believers for thousands of years. Been like a, for thousands of years, Satan has been this lion that's always on the offense, always trying to find some, some Christian who's not being alert, who's not paying attention, who's just coasting through life, and he finds them, catches them off guard, and pulls them in and devours them. He's been doing that for thousands of years. But... The day is coming when he's going to burn in that lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Tormented, day and night, forever and ever. So the battle's already won, really. In Jude 124, verse 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling... And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. This is a look ahead for us unto him who is able to keep us from falling. He's keeping us from falling. Satan's on the attack, but God is able to keep us from falling. And one day he's going to present us faultless. One day we're going to be presented faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. This is what, for the, for the Christian, this is what's ahead for us. Complete sanctification, faultless. We will be like him if we will see him as he is. This is what is, we, we saw Satan's future. He's going to be tormented forever in the lake of fire. The one who is now on the offense attacking us one day is going to be tormented in the lake of fire forever and ever. But for us, for the Christian, one day we'll be presented before him faultless with exceeding joy. In verse 10, Peter is concluding this letter with a, with a prayer, with a prayer for believers. And he says, but the God of all grace, the God of all goodness, we were resisting Satan, who is our enemy, but this is the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. This really is a, a perfect way to end this letter because he's pointing all the glory back to God the Father. And he's showing them that even though they're going through turbulent times now, ultimately God is in control. And ultimately God has a plan for them to sanctify them, to establish them, to strengthen them, to perfect them. He's called us unto eternal glory. Even our calling was for the purpose of glorifying our Heavenly Father. But the reminder is that, is that it's God who's going to bring us through. We, we on our own are no match for Satan, but he will bring us through and he will perfect us. And he's using all of these things. He's using even these attacks from Satan to ultimately make us what he wants us to be, to perfect us, to strengthen us, to sanctify us. Peter knew the 
futility of trying to face suffering on his own. He had fallen asleep. The same Peter had fallen asleep in the garden multiple times when, when Jesus said to him, can't you just watch and pray? Peter had actually rebuked Jesus when Jesus told him that he was going to the cross, when he was going to be uh, 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 killed. Peter said, no, not you, Lord. And, and, and Jesus had to look at him in the eye and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Same Peter. Peter, three different occasions when, when, when Jesus was, was, was being tried and going to trial, three different times, Peter said, I don't know who that is. I don't know him. Don't put me with him. He, he cursed and said, I don't, even, I don't even know him. And so his own failures had taught him the, the need for constant reliance on God and on his grace in times of temptation. He wasn't speaking from, from a perspective of somebody who had never messed up, who had never fallen, who, who had never given in to Satan's temptations. He was speaking from someone who had fallen multiple times over and over again, but God, by his grace, had lifted him up, and now he's reaching out and teaching these people and teaching us that you don't have to give in to the attacks of Satan. The God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye had suffered a while, make you perfect. Notice those words. Prior to God making them perfect and establishing them and settling them and strength, strengthening them, he said, after that ye have suffered a while. You know, it would be nice to be called to God's no-suffering plan. You know, it would be nice if God would have just sort of said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you guys through this life, and we're going to put you on the suffer-free plan. Enjoy. But none of us are called to that plan. That's not God's way of bringing his children through. That's not God's way of sanctifying his children. Turn, hold your, your place here, but turn to the left a few pages to the book of James. In James chapter 1, at the end of verse 4, James said that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So this is, this is the goal, that we're complete, mature. We have spiritually arrived, right? That's where we would like to be. That's a good place to be. It sounds great. I'll take that. Put me there. Trans Let's Wesley always Wesley has this new word transport, which we have a transporter. We walk into it and we transport somewhere else. So we would like to say, "Okay, transport me there. I want to be there. Perfect. Yep. Entire. Yep. Wanting nothing. Yep. Transport me there." The the problem is God has a, a process of getting us there. If you back up to the beginning of verse 4, he says, but let patience have her perfect work. Okay, patience, all right, endurance, not, not, okay, so let patience have her perfect work so that we can be perfect and tired, wanting nothing. Where did patience come from? Back up another verse, verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Well, this doesn't sound quite so good. Trials, trying, Testing, testing my faith. Back up to verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, trials, various diverse trials. Brothers, he says, count it joyful. Be glad, be thankful 
when you get caught up in all kinds of diverse temptations, trials, and, 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 we, and we look at it and we say, well, that, that doesn't make sense. Why? Well, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, when your faith is tested, the trying of your faith brings you to this next level, which ultimately brings us to being perfect, entire, wanting nothing. This is God's way. And we've said this all the way through the study of 1 Peter. This is God's way of sanctifying his people is by testing our faith through trials. Satan is on the attack. We're resisting him steadfast in the faith, knowing that these trials that are coming along are for our good. Galatians 6, 6, 9 says, let us not be weary in well-doing. Don't be frustrated. don't, Don't give up. Why? In due season... We shall reap if we faint not. In the end, God will bring you through better than you were before if you suffer well. Back to 1 Peter again. I'm sure these Christians that were receiving this letter scattered all over and all these different churches all suffering. I'm sure they would have preferred to have a letter that said something like, just so you know, guys, this is, we're in kind of a bad wave right now. There's a lot of persecution going on, but just in about five years or five months or five weeks, it's all going to be over and we're going to be, we're going to live peaceably and life is just going to be kind of just like smooth sailing again. But that's not the Lord's way. Never has been, never will be. The God of all grace, verse 10 says, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while. Suffering will happen. It was happening, it will happen. But after that, he will, this is the prayer, that he will make you perfect, complete, finished, established, strengthened, settled. And then he says, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. There it is. That the purpose in all that we do is that God would be glorified, that we would bring glory to the one who has given us everything that we have, the very air that we breathe, that we could bring him glory. In the good times, bring him glory. In the times of suffering, bring him glory. When things are going our way, that our lives would bring him glory. When, when Satan is on the prowl and is on us, Give him glory. When he's attacking and we're actively resisting that God would get glory. To him be glory and dominion. And I want to just end with the the ending words of of Peter, the parting words of Peter in verse 14. He says, Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Peace is such a, a wonderful word. It's a wonderful thought. It's a wonderful place to live. Peace. These believers needed peace. For them, they didn't just read about religious persecution and history books in school. They didn't just watch it on the news, what's going on over in, in this nation or in this nation, how Christians are being persecuted, and they were living it. They were, they, were living, they were living what we just watch, what we just read about, what we just hear about. They were living it. And so he's ending with this, ending this letter. He's, tell, he's told them how to live. He doesn't say the person, he never says 
the persecute in, in this entire letter, he never says the persecution is going to get better. He never says eventually they're going to, everyone's going to be one to Christ and they're going to stop coming after you. Instead, he, he told them to live for God in the midst of it, to be a shining light, to be able to reach those that are far from God. And now he's ending it, not again, he's ending it with a warning saying Satan's like a lion. He's going to try to get you. He's going to try to, he's going to, try to come after you when you're weakest. He's going to try to, he, lions don't play fair. They, if, they, if there's an injured animal, they're going to they're prey on that injured animal. They don't play fair. And that's how, that's, that's how Satan is. He doesn't play fair. He's trying to find these Christians that are beat up, that are discouraged, that are hurting, that are hiding, that are fearful. And he's going to prey on them. And so, and so Peter, in his final words, is saying, hey, I, I get it. They're, they're after you. You're being persecuted. You're hurt. You're discouraged. You seem like it feels like you're alone, but just know that, that Christians are suffering all over. Your brothers are enduring the same thing. But after that, you've suffered for a while. I'm praying that God is going to strengthen you and establish you and perfect you. He's going to sanctify you. And so for, for now, but for now, he says, for now, he says, peace be with you. Peace. I'm praying that you will live in Peace. Now I recognize that we don't live in the same conditions that these readers did. Not even close. But that doesn't mean that you don't have problems. That doesn't mean that we don't have problems. It doesn't mean that every, everything is always easy because we do have problems. Circumstances scare us. Health things scare us. Family issues bring fear into our life. People frustrate us. But don't forget... This is the warning. Don't forget that our enemy is not flesh and blood. The people that you may be tempted to, to spend your energy fighting against, to try to convince of something, those are not your enemies. The, our, our adversary is Satan. Our adversary is the devil. And, and the more time we spend fighting with other people rather than, with, than, than, than being on the alert for our, our true enemy, the more prone we are to be attacked so we ought to be aware, be alert, resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that even though we're going to suffer a little bit here for a little while here, God is ultimately going to present us faultless before him with exceeding joy. So live in peace. Seek after peace. That's what he said in one of the previous chapters. Seek peace. Try to live in peace. Your enemy doesn't want you to have peace. He's after you. He's, he's trying to disrupt you. He's trying to disrupt you. He's trying to distract you. Don't be distracted. Keep our focus on him. Keep our focus on him. Resist him in the faith. One day, one day the Lord's going to make everything right. And this one that's been fighting against you, one day he's going to be tormented forever and ever. And I look forward to that day. But it's not here yet. It's not here yet. But it will be. So for now, for now we seek peace and we ask for peace. Would you bow your heads with me? I don't know what people are going through. I don't know what you're going through. But I know Satan is on the prowl. I know he's attacking you. I know he's attacking your family. And whether, whether we recognize it or not, he is after us. Whether we're alert or not, he doesn't care. He, in fact, he wants us not to be. He's, he's after you. He's after your family. He's after your children. He wants to devour you. So would you with me today just ask the Lord to help us to keep our, our focus not on, the, not on the people, not on flesh and blood enemies, but on the one enemy? And, and, and ask God to have his perfect work done 
through us. Lord, you're a good God. All that we have that's good is from you. There's nothing good in ourselves. And I'm, we're, I'm thankful, God, that we're on the right side. We're on the winning side. Help us, Lord, to, to live this life as though we're on the winning side, to, to rest in you, to trust in you. I pray for those in this room that are hurting, maybe that are tempted to give up, to give in, maybe are frustrated, feeling alone, God, that today that you would strengthen their inner, inner being and they would decide today, Lord, to resist the attacks and put their faith in you.